Thank you for taking the time to listen to the sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this, you are challenged by the Word of God, you are built up in love, and that you are drawn more to the person and work of Jesus Christ. We want to remind you, this is never meant to substitute God's good plan for you to be present in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you do live in the North Toronto area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to join us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. Our desire is that God would use this to encourage you with the hope we have in Jesus. All of us treasure something. All of us have something, if you stop right now and think, we all have something in our life that we treasure. Some kids, they treasure their toy or that special blanket. It just means a lot to them. For some people, the thing that they treasure is their car. They treasure that vehicle. It means so much to them. They won't let anybody touch the dashboard of the car because it's so valuable in their life. Some people, it's a place. You think of this place and, and, and it just, it's kind of your happy place. You love, you, you know, you had a good experience there. I have no idea what's going on. Is that me? I'm good? Don't move? Okay. Ready? Treasure a place. We all have things that we treasure. I have things that I treasure. I treasure my wife. I treasure my boys. It's crazy right now with the four of them, but we love them. And I also have these two things that I treasure. It's going to come up for us, I hope. There they are. Now you're like, what? So I treasure that book and that ruler. I don't even let my boys touch the ruler. I love it so much. Now the reason why I treasure that book is because of this guy. It's also coming. There he is. That's Craig Turnbull. Craig, uh, I met Craig in 2008. And the reason why I treasure that book and that ruler is because he gave me that book and that ruler. And then he just met with me and, and walked me through lots of things that I did not know. And I, the book and the ruler means a lot to me because when I look at it, I remember Craig. Our son, River, his name is River Craig McCoody. And that's because of the, the way God used Craig in my life. And I believe truly set me on the path that I'm on. And so all of us have things that we treasure and that mean a lot to us. And it's the same for Paul. There's a thing in his life that he treasures more than anything else. And that is Jesus Christ. He treasures Christ. And through his life, we're going to see that Christians, they live for Jesus Christians live for Jesus Christ because he is our greatest treasure. Nothing else is more beautiful than him. And before we go through the passage, I just want to review the context. because This is week three of our series. And I just want to, want to review the context because context helps us to really interpret the scriptures well. And so Philippi, where the, the, the people who are at who receive this letter, is a real place. Right? So sometimes we read about things in the Bible and we're like, was that a real place? It was. It's a real place. It's named after Philip of Macedonia, who is the father of Alexander the Great. We've all heard of him, right? And uh, it was a major city in Macedonia. And so Paul starts the church as he goes on this missionary journey. And you can read about that in Acts 16. And this letter comes to us again because he's in jail. And when you're in jail, they don't give you anything. 
And so his friends send him a gift because they want to they care for him and help him. And when he receives the letter, oh, sorry, the gift from them, he sends a letter back to them saying, thank you for sending it, and he gives them some counsel. And it's through this counsel that he gives. It's through the counsel that he gives that we see how much he loves and treasures Jesus. Look at verse 18 of chapter 1. It says, yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers... And through the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. When Jesus is our greatest treasure, here's our first point, we desire to honor him. When Christ is our greatest treasure, we desire to honor him. I'm sorry, I'm not going to move very much. Maybe I'm just going to stay right here. And so Paul, the situation that he is in is serious. So he's in a serious situation. He's in jail. He's awaiting trial. And he does not know if he's going to die. He does not know if he's going to live. But again, he is rejoicing. He says, yes, I will rejoice. Last week, we saw him rejoicing because the gospel was spreading. And this week, we see him rejoicing because his future is certain. He's rejoicing because his future is Certain, again, verse 18, I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. That word deliverance in the Greek is sephoria, and it's the word for salvation. And so he's rejoicing because he's confident in his salvation that it will not be lost. And so if he gets free, he'll be happy. But if he dies, he'll be happy. Because if he dies, he'll be with Christ. And so he's like, you, you can't do anything to me. I will rejoice. And he says that this will happen through your prayers and the help of the Spirit. And what Paul's doing here is he's asking them to pray for him. He's saying, pray for me. Pray that the Spirit would fill me and empower me when I go to trial. And with the mention of the Spirit, we see now every member of the Trinity represented in this part of the letter. Do you notice it? So if you look at verse 2, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So God the Father is mentioned, God the Son is mentioned, and now in verse 19, God the Holy Spirit is mentioned. And here's what we believe as a church about the Holy Spirit. And this is in our doctrinal statement. We believe that the Holy Spirit and all that he does glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ during this age. He convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He draws the unredeemed into repentance and faith. At salvation, and this is is just beautiful, at salvation he parts new spiritual life to the believer, bringing that person into union with Christ. So there's this relationship now that we have with Jesus Christ and the body of Christ. So the Spirit draws us into a relationship with Jesus and draws us into a relationship with one another. We are family, right? So and then the Holy Spirit sanctifies, seals, fills, guides, instructs, comforts, equips, empowers, and permanently indwells at salvation and bestows spiritual gift to the believer for Christ-like living and service. Sometimes we forget about the Holy Spirit. 
But his ministry, the Bible tries to make clear to us, and you can look up all those verses and you will see that 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 is clear. His ministry in our life is a powerful and needed ministry. We cannot live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. We need his help, and we are to ask him every day to anoint us and empower us so that we can honor Jesus Christ with our life. If you want to honor Christ, you need the Spirit's help. You cannot do it without him. And so Paul says he needs help. And so he asks his friends, he says, pray for me. See, with the the Spirit's help, he'll be full of courage. He'll be full of courage, and he needs courage. He needs courage to be clear about the gospel. See, he does not want to dishonor Christ by denying him. That's why he says that I would not at all be ashamed. Again, he's in jail. He's about to go to trial. He is going to be faced with physical punishment. That's possible. Intimidation. And he knows that the temptation to to deny Christ in that moment will be real. That it will be strong. When he stands before the most powerful people in the world at that time, the temptation will be strong to say, no, I don't trust Jesus. That is what is going on for him. See, he wants Christ to be exalted whether he lives or dies. He wants Jesus to be honored. See, last week we talked about how Paul is strong. Remember that? That he's a strong, you just couldn't bump him off. You couldn't do anything to him. Now, one, this week we realized one of the things that makes him strong is that he knows that he needs help. And he's willing to ask for it. One of the things that makes him strong is that he embraces weakness. And he says, "You, I need your help. And like him, we need to be willing to do the same. To say that I cannot do this on my own, that I need help. And to humble ourselves enough to actually ask for it. Think about the way our world's changed and is changing. Think about the culture you live in as a Christian. And if you truly are going to honor Jesus Christ, our culture doesn't want you to do that. When we walk into our workspaces, when we go into social settings, the things that they want us to do is to be quiet about Jesus. They want us to deny Jesus Christ. And the pressure is only mounting and will continue to mount. And so we need to pray for each other and ask each other for help as we go into places where sometimes a book is being put in front of us saying, you need to affirm these things if you want to work here. And we are standing there in our conscience and saying, I cannot affirm that. So what am I going to do? That's the real life that we are having to live now. Our culture isn't like, yeah, you're a Christian. Yes, thanks for that. We are now the weird ones. We live in a culture where evil is called good. And it's promoted and it's pushed and it's pushed and it's pushed. And that it's, don't just tolerate it, affirm it. And to do that, we have to dishonor and deny Christ if we're going to do those things. And that's the times we're in. That's the real life stuff. But the Spirit of God can give us the power to stand firm in our faith. But we have to pray for each other. And we have to be honest with each other. This is what's going on and I need your help. This is what I'm facing this week and I need you to pray for me because this is real and I don't know what will happen when I stand for my faith, but I want to. 
Because Jesus is worth it. Paul was full of hope. And he knew that he would be fine, but he asked for prayer anyway. That's because he wants Christ to be honored. Verse 20, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. That word honored literally means to be made large. Paul wants Jesus to be made large in his life, like an 80-inch screen TV in a very small room. We've seen those, right? You walk into a room, you're like, that is way too big for here. He wants Jesus to be made large in his life, and this will happen through prayer, through the Holy Spirit filling him and empowering him. Paul asks for prayer, and the Philippian people pray for him, and what they do for Paul is what we are to do for persecuted Christians around the world. Do you know that not everybody gets to sit like this with Bibles open and get to sort of hang out after and talk to one another who are following Christ? Some of our brothers and sisters around the world are are genuinely struggling, hiding in order to, to come together and encourage one another. And we are to pray for them that that in the midst of their struggle, in the midst of the uh, the possibility of being thrown in jail for, for following Christ, for being killed for following Christ, we are to pray for them that they would stand firm in their faith. That Jesus would be made large in their lives as they stand for the one who gave all for us and the one who will make all things right in the end. So Paul doesn't know how his trial will turn out, but even if death comes, he is winning. That's why he says this, verse 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far Better When Jesus is our greatest treasure, we long to be with him. We long to be with him. There's this longing going on in Paul's life. He says, if I'm alive, it's going to be for Christ. I'm going to live for him. I'm going to serve. I'm going to continue to spread the gospel and help other believers in Christ. See, Paul here is no longer thinking about himself. He's no longer interested in living for him. And that's because he knows Jesus Christ has lived for him. The gospel is what is motivating him. 2 Corinthians 5 says, For the love of Christ controls us. Do you feel controlled by the love of Jesus? Does Does the love of Jesus grip your life and hold you? The love of Christ controls us because we've concluded this, what? That one has died for all. Therefore, all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves. When you signed up to follow Jesus, you said, I was done living for me. That's what we said. No longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. We live for Jesus because he gave all for us. We live for Jesus because he's alive. Do you see it? He was raised. And so now as we give ourselves to the gospel, as we give ourselves to help our brothers and sisters in Christ, we're doing it because it's not in vain. 
Because Jesus is alive, and as we give ourselves to this, there will be a great reward that comes to us. Paul has that in view. He says, I don't have to live for myself anymore. I can live for Christ. It's not in vain. If Paul lives, he's living for Jesus. If he dies, he is gaining. He dies. If he dies, he'll be immediately, spiritually, in the presence of Jesus Christ. And this is the reality for Christians. This is why you don't have to fear death. Right. My man, Sean. This is the reality for Christians, but I just want to be honest here. This is not the reality for non-Christians. And I'm not saying that to be rude or disrespectful. It just, it's, as, a, as, a, as a pastor in this church, I'm called to speak honestly. And the reality for Christians is that when we die, we go into immediate joy. But the reality for a non-Christian is that when you die, you go into misery. Because you go into an eternity where you are separated from God for all times, facing the consequences of your intentional sin. That is the truth. And that's why so many people, they fear death. They're like, what's on the other side? If you're in Christ, joy. If you're outside of Christ, punishment for sin. But here's the thing, that does not have to be the reality for the non-Christian. You can gain Jesus Christ by putting your faith and trust and belief in the gospel that God created us, but that we rebelled against God, that we sinned against him, but then God in his love and his grace, he sends his son to live a perfect life for us and die in our place, and then on the third day raised his son to show that sin was paid for so that now when we put our trust in that, we have hope. That's why our church is named that. Because we are not without hope. And the person, the non-Christian who puts their faith in Christ, that can be their reality. But here's what this means for us as Christians who are in Christ. This should fill us with compassion towards those who are outside of Christ. Sometimes the Christian posture towards those who don't have faith in Christ is judgment. And that's wrong. Our posture towards those who don't trust in Jesus Christ should be one of compassion. Our posture should be prayerful, that they would turn to Jesus Christ. We should be humble towards them, knowing that the only reason why we're in the place we're in is because God has shown us grace. That there's nothing unique to us. There's nothing special about us. God has just shown his grace to us, and it should make us prayerful and compassionate. It also should motivate us to spread the gospel as far as possible. Why? Because it has the power to save. And that should be our heart. We should want others experiencing the joy that we are experiencing of being in Christ. We should want others to have the hope that we have of being in Christ. If Paul continues to live, he will continue to labor. Verse 22, it says, if I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. That word labor reminds us that spreading the gospel is hard work. It is labor. We started this church to spread the gospel, but it, this is hard work. 
And if this, is, this church is your home, you're like, I'm settling in here. I, I believe I'm going to grow. This is where God is calling me to. We understand that God is not calling everybody to this church. And we're okay with that. But if this is home for you, then, and you haven't started participating in the work, lovingly, it's time to start participating. Because you will be sanctified. You will, it's okay to say amen, guys. You'll be sanctified and you will grow in Christ through that. And so as you're settling in, if this is home, you, it's time to start taking steps to get involved. Serving in Hope Kids, that's a way to spread the gospel. Do you understand that? That is the next generation who we want to see following Jesus Christ, setting up chairs, helping us get all this thing up and running so that we can hear, of, hear the gospel, sing together, encourage one another. That's a way of spreading the gospel. And if this is home for you, today is the day to start helping. Amen. 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 Doing our part because we believe that God is going to use that. And as we labor together, the gospel will spread. There's work to be done. So Paul is willing to labor for Jesus, but he also wants to be with Jesus. Verse 23 says, I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ for that is far better. So he's hard pressed. He's torn. He's hemmed in on both sides. See, as great as heaven is, Paul would never choose to commit suicide. He's just saying here that to help the Philippians is desirable. And to be with Christ is desirable. He's like, both are good. And I don't know what to do. It's not an easy decision for him. And as we see Paul here in this spot sort of deliberating, saying, I, I, I don't know what to choose, it reminds us and highlights for, for us the fact that we face decisions all the time and we don't know what to do. That there's constantly situations, there's going to be ones even coming this week, that you're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do in these moments. And when that happens, we can pray. Again, God has all wisdom. He is with us. He will not abandon us. We can pray for God to make things clear. We can ask others to pray. And then we can also ask these questions. We can ask these questions. What does the Bible say? When I'm stuck in the middle of a hard decision, what does the word of God say on this? And there's some things that the Bible does not speak to directly. But if that's the case, then, then we should seek counsel. Again, the Bible says, in the abundance of counselors, there is wisdom. So if I'm confused, I don't know what to do, I should go to the word of God and say, what does the word say? And then the next question is, will this honor God? That'll make things really clear. Will this decision that I'm about to make, will it honor God? Which is all in the context of, we are called to love God. And then the next question we can ask is, how will this affect other people? If I, I decide to do this, again, which is so we're called to love God, we're called to love others. That's the next one. How will this affect the people in my family? How will it affect my home? How will it affect my church, my neighbors, my, my job, my education? Just asking those questions helps you to make good decisions. And then the last one is, what am I desiring? What do I, and that's last because it should be last. Because sometimes the things that we're desiring is flat wrong. 
And so as we sit and we just write down and we, and we try to answer these questions, things will become clear on what we are to do next. What am I desiring? Paul says that he wanted to depart. Again, he's not expressing a death wish. See, his immediate future is uncertain, but his ultimate future isn't. He knows that he's going to be in joyful relationship with Jesus Christ, and he desires that because it's certain. And that's why he says what he says. He longs to be with Christ. It's like, it's like, it's like a soldier who's been deployed to war, and he just longs to be at home with his family and friends. He views death as gain. He's not fearing it. It's gained to him. Now, I can understand if a person is fearing death. There are times when I fear death, right? There's still things that I, don't you feel that sometimes? There's still a whole, I was talking to Kim this week about this. She's like, I fear death sometimes. I'm like, you do? There's things, and she just looked at me. She's like, there's things I still want to experience. And I was like, that's true. I want, I want to be at my boy's wedding crying. I can't do the wedding. I'd cry the whole way through. But I want, to, I want to see them grow up. I want to be a granddad so I can be like, yes, it's time to go to your parents. <laughs> I want to experience those things. And I'm sure there's things that you want to experience as well. And so, sometimes that, that makes us feel like I don't really want to die just yet. And so I can understand if there's this fear. But what this passage challenges us with is that if you're fearing death, there's a reality that there might be something you're treasuring more than Jesus Christ. Because at the end of your life, you get him. And if he is your greatest treasure, it removes the fear of death because you go into eternal joy with him. It's gain. That's why the Bible says that death for the Christian has lost its sting. And so Paul is honest. He says, I'd rather be with Christ. It's far better. Far better. It's like a nice bit of oxtail with some rice and peas. Notice I said rice and peas, not rice and beans, because it's not that. Nice, nice bit of gravy. It's like having that compared to McDonald's fries. You're like, that's not even the same. <laughs> it's far better. So he's honest. He's like, I want to be with Christ. But he's also confident that he's going to live. He's confident that he's going to live because he knows God is in control of his life. He's going to live for a very specific reason. Verse 24. But to, me, to, but to remain in the flesh is far more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Here's our final point. When Jesus is our greatest treasure, we deny ourselves to help others grow. We deny ourselves to help others grow in him. He says, he says, I will be around because it's more necessary on their account. He's convinced that he will be released. He says, I'm going to get out. And that's because he, they, there's needs that he still can, 
help with. And so he's confident God will take care of him and that he will get out of jail and go back to them for this reason. Verse 25, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. Paul says, I'd rather be with Christ. But he's willing to lay down that desire for them. He says, this is what I truly want. I would be okay with this. But I'm also okay with staying here because, of your, because I want to help you grow. He's willing to deny himself because their growth is more important to him. That word progress in verse 25 speaks of growth in maturity. It's growth in maturity. And the fruit that will come from growing to maturity is joy in the faith. That is the fruit. There will be joy in their lives. Because of Paul's presence, they'll grow deeper in their knowledge of Jesus Christ and in the knowledge of the gospel. And that will cause them to treasure him even more. My little boy, our youngest, his name's Irie, he's got this blanket. It's one of the nastiest things in our house. And like sometimes you pick it up and you're like, whoa, you got like a matrix kind of move going on. You're just trying to get the, like the, the scent just to go over you. But if you throw that blanket at him, he's just like, <laughs> right? Like you put him in his crib, you put him on his blanket and he starts to like gator roll the blanket and you're just like, you're good. I'm out. He treasures the blanket. When we're going places, I'm like, where's the blanket? We got to make sure we have it because if he doesn't have it, he, he treasures it. He loves it. That is how Paul feels about Jesus. It's, he is his greatest treasure. He's his greatest joy. And that is what he wants for the Philippians. He wants to be with them so that they would treasure Christ in the ways he treasures him. Because he knows when they treasure Christ, when Jesus is the main thing, when they love Jesus Christ, it will actually affect the way they live. When your heart is all in on Jesus, it affects the way you go about doing things. And what you see here is Paul considering his interests, considering their interests above his own. Seeing them in this place is more important to him than what he desires. Again, when Jesus is your greatest treasure, you will want others to treasure him too. When you understand who Jesus is and you're truly delighting in him, you will want others to treasure him as well and you will be willing to sacrifice in order to make that happen. You'll give your time, your energy, your resources because you're like, if you see and know Jesus to the degree that I do and love him to the degree that I do, your life will be better. And so you will give and sacrifice. So to help others grow in Christ and experience the joy of knowing him more. Paul's presence will help them grow, but there is more. Verse 26, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. That word glory can be translated boasting. Now sometimes when we hear boasting, we think of that obnoxious person who can't stop talking about themselves. Or if they're, they're, just, they're feeling themselves a little bit too much. But that's not how the Bible uses the term boasting. Boasting means to actually have your full confidence and trust in something. 
That's how biblically the, 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 the Bible uses the word boasting. And so it's to have your full trust and confidence in Jesus Christ. And Paul says, when I come, you will have ample cause to do this. And it's because when he returns, the people will see that they can trust Jesus. When they see Paul come out of prison, that he, he did not die, they will, they will realize that they can trust Christ because Jesus doesn't abandon his people. It will remind them of the reality of the goodness of Jesus Christ, that he sticks with us and that nothing can happen to us unless he says so. And they'll have ample cause to glory and praise Jesus Christ. They will treasure him more. And again, that is what Paul wants. When Jesus is our greatest treasure, you will live your life so others treasure him also. That's what I'm trying to get in our heads. When he means the most to you, you will live your life so that others treasure him also. And so this passage, what it does, what it does is it asks, it challenges us to ask the question, what is my greatest treasure? That's how it comes home. What is my greatest treasure? What is the thing that I live sold out for, that I give all of myself to? It challenges us to ask that question, but it also tells us that Jesus is to be our greatest treasure. And so if there's something else that you see there, whether it's work, whether it's friends, whatever it is, if there's something else in the place of Christ that you're treasuring more, we have to repent of that. Because whatever the thing you're treasuring, that is the thing you're living for. That's the thing. Whatever you treasure the most, your life is being guided by that. That is what you are living for. And if it's anything other than Jesus Christ, that is going to be hindering you in your life. And so the passage wants us to ask the question, what do I treasure most? And it tells us we are to treasure Jesus Christ most, the one who has set us free, the one who has given us true and everlasting hope. That's why Paul can rejoice. I have hope. There's nothing anyone can do to me because Jesus has me in his hand and he says no one can snatch me from his hand. I am his and if I'm in him, he will hold me for all eternity and I will experience the joy that comes with having him as my greatest treasure. So what are you treasuring? It should be Jesus Christ. That is what it means to follow him. Let's pray. Father, we pray and ask, Lord God, that you would help us to see oh so clearly that when it comes to death, we have nothing to fear. Uh, that at the end of our life, that we will be with Christ, that we will gain. And I pray for the person, Lord God, who has does not have faith in Christ. Would you open their eyes to the reality of what death means for them? But I also pray that you would open their eyes to the reality that today is the day that they can trust in your son, that they can believe the gospel and truly have their lives changed and be filled with hope. And I pray for us who are in Christ. God, would you help us right now to have a renewed understanding of our hope have a renewed understanding of what we are to treasure, that it's to be your son 
who gave all for us, your son who is our living hope. And so, Lord, I pray that as we stand and sing to you, Lord, I pray it would be from a heart of gratitude, knowing that you have given us the breath in our lungs to sing this song, but that you have given us joy, Lord, unspeakable joy because of what is coming to us, joy for all eternity. God, that is what is in front of us. And so, God, we pray and thank you for your son. Help us, I pray, to live for him, to know that to live is Christ and to die is gain, that none of our labor for Jesus Christ will be in vain. We pray it in his name. Amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit HopeTorontoNorth.com.